what Pandora's um, main motivation is at the start is that she has been forced to work for Zeus for the past four months because Zeus had dirt on her mother. Her mother is an Irish politician. Zeus had, Zeus had, you know, information. He had a file. And I just thought the idea of, you know, Pandora's box becoming Pandora's, you know, incriminating file. everyone and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. My name is Sarah. And I'm Bree. And joining us today is a special guest that we are so excited to have back for the second time. She's one of the OGs here on the podcast. One of the first to take a chance on us. We have author Amanda Tinelli here. Tell us, Amanda, how the rest of 2021 went for you after we spoke and how 2022 has started. Um, Hi. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me back. <laughs> I obviously didn't do too bad the last time. <laughs> <laughs> 2021 was like, it was a slower year for me writing wise, but it was faster at the same time. It was, <laughs> it was a weird one. Um, a lot of learning last year and a lot of progress. But I still feel like I'm not where I'd like to be. But I think we're, we're where the whole world is at right now. I think we're allowed mm. to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So and then can like, you talk a little bit about that? Are you talking, do you mean like writing wise, you don't feel like you are where you'd like to be? Like, what do you I mean? mean? Yeah, like I'm a couple of books behind my own schedule just because of how 2021 went. And um, because we were we just had a slower year, you know, just, and I think everyone kind of felt it last year a little bit more intensely. Well, I know we did here, the whole pandemic situation, but, um, yeah, I feel like I, I struggled, um, for kind of the first half of the year, I struggled to finish, um, this book, this particular book, um, Mm -hmm. The Billionaire's Last Minute Marriage, um, and I think it was a mixture of things. Um, I felt a lot of pressure because it was my first autistic character that I was writing and it's something that's really important to me. Um, and then also just with life, you know, I have three small kids um, under seven and I'm the primary caregiver as well as trying to write full time and school kept getting cancelled and then restarted and um it's as someone who like relies on routine I really really rely on my routine Mm -hmm. and it just kept it's like I couldn't get my feet on solid ground for most of the year um and then I kind of found my way I I joined a writing group last year that was kind of the best part (laughs) um and that kind of helped me I got like I've never had a community like a writing community um I've always been a very lone wolf kind of you know like my alpha heroes very lone wolf kind of character um and so it surprised me that I liked it um so yeah I spent a lot of 2021 growing as an author um and as a writer but um this year I'm aiming for more actual words <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, we support you in more words because then that means more books for us. So. Absolutely. Selfish, it's, it's, selfish yeah, readers. Selfish, yeah. <laughs> so with the writing group, I mean, it sounds like you really had to learn how to pivot a lot. You had to, I mean, 
I'm a routine person as well. Mm -hmm. And as as aspiring writers, I think it's safe to say for both Sarah and I, it's really trying to figure out. And it's, I just loved hearing you say that because it's like, where do you fit it into your life? Especially when things are constantly changing, you want to do it, but you just, there's not, there's not enough time in the day. Did joining that support group, did it just like help with the motivation? Like what did that do for you? Yeah, it it forced me to kind of grow past myself um, because you know you're joining a group full of all different kinds of writers because there's so many different types of writer you know there's the career writers there's writers who just write for a hobby and everything in between and there's slow writers and there's fast writers and you know plotters and panthers and um it really kind of diversified what I was seeing in terms of like I was seeing so many different types of struggle (laughs) Because everyone yeah. was struggling. Everybody was struggling. Everyone was like, oh my God, how how can we keep going through all this craziness? <laughs> um, but there's something very, you know, powerful about be, not just being by yourself thinking that. Yeah. And the first time, like I would struggle socially um, and I would struggle. I always would have thought that I would struggle doing something like, you know, a Zoom sprint where I'm speaking to strangers who I only know through like their Twitter handles and stuff. Um, but they're, they're called the Word Makers. Um, it's run by um, Tasha Harrison. And she, it's like a really great kind of vibe. It's <laughs> the only way I can describe it. It's like, we're all mad here kind of vibe. Yeah. <laughs> We're all mad here and it's fine and you show up with your hair scraped up into a bun and don't worry about it so there's yeah. no pressure and then like you don't have to talk you don't have to, you don't there's no pressure to do anything and so you kind of just loosen up a little bit and then you you hear other people's struggles and how they're dealing with it and you can kind of pick and choose you don't even have to engage as much as you want to because you can pick and choose the advice that you're taking and you can ask for advice or you can just listen and it's just so valuable to have that kind of daily or weekly um kind of more personal experience with it's almost like being in an office you know like I don't miss my office job but I think there's something so valuable about like community education and community kind of learning and sharing our experiences as writers and what's working and what's not working and even down to like obviously from the craft point of view but also everything else that you have to do as a writer and that's something huge because obviously I'm traditionally published so far I've gotten published with um, Harlequin Presents and I had a very easy entry into publication it was my first book that I wrote and I won a competition I got into it um, and I feel like now that I've seen the amount of work that like indie published authors do behind the scenes, I'm like, wow, yeah. <laughs> I'm just learning and I'm soaking it all up because I do want to indie publish um, soon, eventually. Um, and it's just, I'm just like learning everything from these people. I'm like, yes, tell me yeah. everything you know. Everything. <laughs> basically that's what I'm there well I just love that because I feel like it changes the I I don't want to say the narrative but like you growing up you always imagine writing as this very solitary thing you imagine the writer sitting in their office with you know a dim light just typing away on a typewriter or sitting in a, a cafe by themselves and 
one thing I can say about the internet that it's gotten right is that it it lets us connect. And that sounds that sounds so helpful. I'm so happy that that exists for everyone that needs it. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get into some icebreakers. Are you someone who sets New Year's goals? And if so, is there one you're comfortable sharing with us? Last year was the first year that I set. I did like the HV90 thing with Sarah Cannon. You know, have you heard of that? So it's just like a, a author goal setting class um, and you buy the, oh, I didn't do the class. I bought the, um, the planner and it has like basically like a little mini class in it. Um, you pay okay, for it. she's like she's the planner girl on YouTube. I've I've watched her. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not a planner person. I I have never consecutively <laughs> diary in my life. I'm that person. I forget everything, and I tell you now, I did not miss a single week in my bullet journal last year. Um, so 2020, I did the HB90. Um, and that kind of taught me how to set goals and what kind of goals I wanted to set. And then 2021, I started a bullet journal and I kind of figured out my own way because I'm very visual and I need to kind of see everything on one page or I forget that it's there. <laughs> so I like created my own, I like hacked it into my own thing. Um, and I set my goals and I set them quarterly and I set them monthly and I did like reviews and it was just so like I'm such a nerd for like data and like looking back and reflecting (laughs) how can I do it better um when I'm good like when I'm on it I'm on it now when I'm not on it I'm a mess but um so yeah I started off this year with my 2022 bullet journal and I picked my word of the year and the word of the year this year is growth um because I want to just aim for I'm not aiming for like massive growth I'm not aiming to like double the amount of books I'm writing I just want to look back and say oh I, I grew you know I grew as a writer this year um I grew as a like a businesswoman this year um and then I grew personally and that's kind of all I'm aiming for this year and I have like mini goals that I'm setting per month in terms of you know what book I want to draft in a month when I want to um submit certain things to my editor or and then promoting books that are coming out so yeah, I find that. I find the bullet journal absolutely crucial to my process at the moment. <laughs> love really it. Nice. Yeah, I love it. I always love seeing people's bullet journals. It stresses mm-hmm. me out to Mine think of so like, attempting it. <laughs> I go for a minimalist spread. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did buy a planner this year and I took um, author Lucy Monroe's advice of just, I'm more of a, I'll write at the end of the day what I did. And so far I've been able to stick with it granted we're only a few days into the new year so yeah <laughs> we'll all report back in like may but that has been so helpful i think for me because i'm just like there's days where i don't do anything you know and it feels like wasted space I'll but just it's um it's really like it's like almost like you're hacking your own brain to try be more positive because you're like you were feeling really sick today but you still had a shower you go you yes yes <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's the tiny things, you know, and it's like progress. That's why I'm aiming for just growth, just growth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, yeah. Share with us something that has made you happy so far this year. Um, my Zoom group that I go on to every Yay. morning. Yeah, shout <laughs> out to them. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's just um, fun. it's just fun because I don't really have like a lot of like 
friends like I have my best friend I have my husband well I'm a very kind of small like I'd have like mom friends at the school gate and stuff like that but I'm so anti-social in real life (laughs) I know you're preaching to the choir over here (laughs) I have been thinking about this so much I'm like why is it hard for me as a grown woman to go out in the world and make friends and I think part of it is I really like being at home and I mean I've had friends in the past and I know this is unfortunately the reason why our friendships didn't work but like I had those friends who they felt like we were friends if we were hanging out all the time and doing something and I'm like no I need to like be home we can talk on the phone or something yeah yeah yeah. we can go to dinner and then go home like I don't I just I need to like come home and regroup you know like I I like being at home so it it makes it difficult (laughs) so me and my best friend Sarah she is we've been we've been friends since we were like kids but we actually used to hate each other at the start It's so, the best. The way the best friends happen, right? Is like to our kids, like, hey, we, we hated each other when we were kids. Did you know that? Uh, <laughs> we love each other, and um, like, we literally we could go a month or two months without seeing each other, and then we just meet up, and there's no effort. I think that's when you know you're like, it's your friend soulmate. It's not just a friend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Me and my me and my best friend, we've known each other since the second grade, and you know, it's been a well over thirty year relationship. And I hadn't talked to her in six months and I called her on her birthday and I'm like, I'm so sorry. We chatted for three hours. Like we talked the day before, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's great. You know, and and there's no, we both have crap going on. So nobody gets mad at the other person for not (laughs) calling or not texting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What has been one of the best pieces of advice you've ever been given? I'm trying to remember the exact wording. Um, So Reese Ryan is one of the authors for Desire. And she's occasionally in the, she's often in my Zoom sprint. Um, And one of the days we were talking about writing for category and how sometimes you you feel like you really want to push the boundaries a little bit. But, and I was saying to her, I get nervous, you know, because I don't want to go, I don't want to push the boundaries too far because I am a bit of a chicken, you know, (laughs) I'm not brave enough. I was saying to her, I don't feel like I'm brave enough. And I always want to ask and make sure it's okay first. And I remember she just looked at me and she just did this face of like, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Push the boundaries and don't keep asking for permission. She basically, it was something like, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> If I'm remembering our chat with her, because she was our first author interview, she she talked about pushing the boundary. Yeah, like, yeah, she's yeah. like, I usually push the boundary and I just wait for my editor to come back. <laughs> I love that attitude. I absolutely, and I've taken it on board and I'm like, okay. And in, in my, the most recent book that I just finished, I wanted to have like a, a, a gunshot scene, like a, like a, it's almost like a mafia adjacent, not really though, because it's presents, but I had this vibe that I was going for originally that was probably way too intense. And I kind of just like sent the book and my editor was like, like, this is not, no, this is too external. It's a bit too, and I was like, ah, well, at least I tried. Yes. <laughs> it's like presents mixed with like crime noir. Right, yeah. <laughs> Which would be very hot. I was reading dark romance at the time and I was like, I yeah. want to put more of this in. But yeah, no, it's not you were manifesting it. Yeah. I'm trying to my own book, basically. <laughs> yeah, for your, for your first indie published. 
way too much. <laughs> Do you have any under the bed stories? Anything you've written that will never see the light of day? I remember last time when I was on, I talked about the very first thing that I ever wrote. And that was like a nanny story. And I was working as a nanny at the time. Um, and then the next book that I wrote was, the next book that I started writing was a series. And it was about um, Irish-Italian siblings who ran like a restaurant business that was like global um and I loved that but a more recent one that I had was a second chance marriage reunited story oh I wrote I got it to about halfway and that was in like 2019 I think it was um and I took it was when I was going through a really tough period myself um Mm -hmm. and I wrote it and there was just so much there's just something about that like I reread it recently it's about half of a book I I got halfway before I tanked on it (laughs) and there's just so much um emotion in it it's a really intense kind of hit and I feel like it's like when the time comes I will finish that and I will publish it with presents but I'm not in the same headspace that I was in at the time yeah yeah <laughs> like I'm almost afraid to tap back into that <laughs> oh, I was gonna say do you feel like you would have to get mentally somewhat adjacent to where you were at the time to finish it or do you feel like you'd have to start it completely over but then it like, would it be the same story I feel like it's like I'd have to it's like it's all of my thoughts in that book about, um, you know, getting married very young and mm-hmm. not not really growing enough as a person and then having to grow alongside your partner. Um, and I have personal experience with that. And um, it's it was like I was writing cathartically at the time, mm-hmm. but then I, I wasn't in that headspace anymore. <laughs> It's almost like, like, okay, no, I can't look at that right now because I need to actually continue to grow as a person and get forward myself. Yeah. Um, And then I feel like once you're, once it's not like, I even feel now probably in the next year or two, I could probably go back to it because I, luckily enough, I feel great now. Um, And I feel like I would do it justice now. Um, Okay. But the book itself, um, yeah, it was a really kind of deep shot of like these two people who fell in love very quickly and got married very quickly. And then it was like, um, she, she, she wasn't ready and she left him. And it, the book then comes back like eight years later. And at the time, I think that's when I tanked. Cause I was like, what would they have been doing for eight years? <laughs> <laughs> How am I going to do this? But it's so funny because it starts with her in a, the first scene of that book came to me so clearly because it starts with her in a small little Irish countryside jail cell in like a tiny Irish um, police centre, police. And she ran back to Ireland after she, he's like a Greek hotelier and she ran back to Ireland to get away from him and she said to him you know I'm going to stay married to you for you know these reasons to do with her grandmother's villa and stuff but you don't come near me and you don't come near my village and then eight years later or however many years it was she finds out he's after buying the hotel in her village and she she smashes up a lot of she ends up getting arrested and then she they're they're the police are wait, making her wait and she's like what are we waiting for where's my solicitor and they're like oh he's here and then he walks in and it's him and it's the first time they see each other and he's like we're gonna have a talk now <laughs> i mean i'm just saying i want to pre-order this book now yeah, so yeah. whenever you're ready to finish it 
Uh, we'll be grateful. Even as I'm talking about it, I'm like, oh, I need to finish that book. It is good. Um, it's just it's so intense. Um, their kind of backstory and stuff. And I, I've been veering towards kind of more, not rom-com because it's hard to come to sense, but more kind of little shots of comedy here and there. Yes. And that's situational comedy. And that's perfect. I mean, I don't feel like that's a big deal. Like, I love situational comedy. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's the, it might not be under the bed too long. I might pull it. <laughs> let's, let's just slide it out gradually. And Sarah yeah. is always talking about like couples that have already been married in romance. I mean, it just already brings you so much yeah. like yeah. chemistry and backstory to work with. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I've only ever been married once to my husband. So I'm like, can I do this justice? You're doing you just say research. <laughs> yes. I yeah. love that because for some reason, I don't know why, but that feels really different from a lot of the presents that Agreed. I've read. So, I mean, I would love to see that. I would love yeah. to see that. Yeah. Let's chat your next Mills and Boone Modern slash Harlequin Presents release, The Billionaire's Last Minute Marriage, which listeners, if you have not at least seen the cover to this book, you absolutely yeah. should. It is so gorgeous. And the hero on the cover is one fine specimen of a man. Really? And I love yes. his coat. <laughs> so <Yes. laughs> will you share with us what the book is about? <laughs> Well, first of all, that cover is my favorite cover to date because I <laughs> described it in the in the art fact sheet to the design team and they just nailed it. I said to him, he's like David Gandhi, you know, pushing 40. He is 40 in a tan coat in, with a backdrop of Japan, you know, Kyoto in the autumn. And they just nailed it. They did. So I'm like, I feel so lucky to have gotten such a great cover for a book that's so important to me. It's the second book in the Greeks Race to the Altar trilogy, which is about three half brothers who are, they're all Greek myth retellings. Um, and surprise, surprise, the father who, their, their father's name is Zeus, and they are his sons, his illegitimate sons. Um, and they are all called upon for, um, after their father's death, um, to basically a race to who's going to get the inheritance. The first brother to get married legitimately and stay married for one year gets everything, you know? And it's the, the father was a real tyrannical awful man and this is his kind of last middle finger to his offspring that he didn't care about um so they all kind of have their different ways of dealing with that um, and in the first book it was eros and priya and that was an eros and psyche retelling um and the heroine in that book was about to marry xander who is the hero in this book okay i was wondering i was like is this yeah. the hero that got that priya left at the altar okay got it <laughs> standing on the steps of a courthouse in Manhattan in his tuxedo watching his bride run away and in the rain <laughs> that's yeah. not where he's gone <laughs> well he is like the stern Greek billionaire brunch daddy as I said on Twitter that caused quite a stir he is just <laughs> so stoic and so like nothing will flap this man nothing he's like oh she ran away right on to the next task of the day. This book is a, a loose homage to the Pandora's box myth. Um, and it takes readers on a journey from Manhattan to a big business deal in Osaka, in Japan, to uh, a honeymoon through Japan. So it's a real kind of 
road trip almost. <laughs> it was so much fun because Japan is like my, I've always been obsessed with Japan ever since I watched and read Memoirs of a Geisha as a young teenager. I'm absolutely obsessed with Japan. I tried to learn Japanese numerous times. I'm still trying to learn it on Duolingo. It's impossible, but I try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a dream of one day going to Japan and speaking Japanese and just be immersing myself in the culture. The, the women in this series are all neurodivergent. Pandora in this book is autistic and she's Irish. So um, I feel like I really got to say something that I know with this book um, without being too soapboxy about it. But it's a fun book because uh, he's her grumpy boss and she's been crushing on him for months. (laughs) So I brought a little comedy where I could. Um, But with all Presents novels, obviously, like, you've got drama. Um, So there's office romance, there's mutual pining, forbidden attraction, and then secrets um, and blackmail and villainous family members um but um this book basically starts because pandora is the reason that xander's bride ran away (laughs) and he he knows that very quickly and she is the first person that he goes to find because he's not he's not attracted to her he just needs to find her immediately you know he's not actually it's nothing to do with him you know anything else (laughs) what he keeps telling himself the first (laughs) person he wants to see when his bride runs away is his executive assistant but she's just quit. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, this sounds like it's going to start off very intense and with a bang oh, because, I mean, the yes. way that you set it up, he's the one that got left in book one. So, oh, I cannot wait. Well, one of the questions that I, I, I just thought of as you were chatting that I wanted to ask was with doing retellings, um, like I just finished a book that was all about different heroines throughout time and how when women begin writing the story changes luckily for these heroines so with these being greek retelling greek myth retelling how did you narrow down like what stories you wanted to tell and like what do you think i mean i just think that having these retellings whether it's greek myths or it's fairy tales puts so much power back into the hands of the women that were either part of the story or even those women that were like were behind the scenes and weren't necessarily, you know, such a big factor. So what, what made you zero in on, okay, these are the stories I want to, I want to re I want to talk about. And, um, like, what do you, as a writer, like, what do you find inspiring about retelling those myths? Um, I think I've always kind of, as a reader, I've always gone for, I love, you know, Beauty and the Beast retellings, Cinderella retellings. Um, but I never would have been familiar with the Greek myths until I was an adult, and then once I started hearing about them um, and seeing them, um, like one of the things that really got me into it was the Lore Olympus series, the webtoon comic. And I loved that. And I, I had, I'd been vaguely familiar um, with the myths. You know, everybody hears, you know, Zeus and Hercules and all these kind of different things that you'd hear from various different media. Um, but I never really dug into it. But when I read the Lore Olympus series, um, I really started kind of, deep diving on online and like just kind of looking up all the different because like you know obviously the greek myths were originally an oral history you know they were an oral retelling so there's no real set down um original myth sure yeah yeah change and then you've got the 
the various few print retellings or the various few actual ones that were you know saved <laughs> um, and even those would kind of conflict with each other on what's actually the truth so I think that's what makes them so primed and ready to be interpreted in all these different ways and like that's why we're seeing so many different takes on them um like katie roberts neon god series at the moment she's doing all great that was so good um but that's on my tbr because I, I i save books and i haven't read that one yet. <laughs> i am waiting to read that one i might wait until the second one is out to read them together um but yeah so i love kind of i love seeing how other people interpret it because it's like this fun secret that we're all in on you know um and i just think they're perfect like especially a character like zeus you know zeus can be interpreted. So he's, I don't think I've ever read him as a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think you should really. But I mean, I would read it. I would read it if someone tried. Um, but um, yeah, and then so I, I liked, I love the the Eros and Psyche. But my favorite one is the Dionysus and Ariadne, and that's going to be the third one. Okay. But, um, yeah, I love. I just love them. I just think they're they're so interesting and dramatic and they're just made for Harlequin Presents, in my opinion. They are. <laughs> Absolutely. Greek families. <laughs> Presents the Greek tycoons, you know, like it's yeah. a marriage made in heaven. <laughs> um, we are so excited for Xander and Pandora's romance, especially after seeing the beautiful Pinterest board you created for the book. Mm. Do you put the visual boards together before you begin writing or do you find it helps to piece it together all throughout the writing process both um so I always kind of start out with um like when I'm setting my goals each year I have my pre-writing goals for a book so like my, my process is usually pre-writing drafting revising maybe revising again if I've made a complete mess of it final edits line edits you know so there's like it's every you're hitting you're hitting the beats with the book all through and if you're lucky that process can take a few months but with me I'm lucky if it takes like, <laughs> <laughs> um, like you'd be amazed how fast some of these writers can get all of that done. I live in awe and I live in hope for myself that I will someday get slightly faster. Look, your process is your process. Take <laughs> <Absolutely>. your time. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the Pinterest board helps. I make the Pinterest board for all my books and um, and I have my Pinterest links, I think, on my website. And I make it first, but it does change because, you know, you start out with an idea and a visual for what you think the book is going to look like. And even though I am a very heavy plotter, it still changes because I always, I don't know who, I always know what the plot is, but I don't know who the characters are until I'm about halfway through. And I find the Pinterest boards really help, even just to like flick through, because I love the way if you click the little plus at the bottom, it gives you more inspiration gives you more yeah <laughs> I love it and then I always make a, a playlist on Spotify so I have a Greek trilogy play playlist that I used for all of them and it's just all like dramatic angsty <laughs> songs a <laughs> presents playlist a presents playlist exactly right <laughs> angst and you know sexy beats <laughs> well I really love that you shared that because I feel like that's me. I have story ideas themselves, like, and then it's the characters that I really struggle with. And especially when you're hearing all this advice of like, the characters are who should come to you first, and then you build the plot around them. And I'm like, well, no, because if you're just out and about in the world, you'll see something, you'll be like, that would be a good idea for a story. 
yeah. you're not thinking of the characters first. So it sounds like you really visualize them. You get yourself in the mood having the music and you feel like that really helps you then figure out who the characters are and, and focus on the story then. Yeah, yeah. And like I use visuals for most of my process. Um, like I'd have very elaborate revision maps and checklists <laughs> and character bios. And I use a, a program called Plotter now that I bought recently. I tried Scrivener. It's, it's too much for me right now. It's too complicated. But Plotter is just like this. It's P-L-O-T-T-R. And it's just like this linear line that you plunk your, your, your plot points onto and you see how they look. And it just really suits my way of thinking. I'm just a very visual thinker. Um, and then like the, the music I would only listen to when I'm doing kind of pre-writing or editing. When I'm actually drafting, I can't listen to anything other than classical or instrumental music because I can't concentrate. Um, and then when it comes to actually deepening the characters, what I've found helps me most is, has been dictation because when I'm dictating I am it's almost like you're acting and you're in their POV it's the only wow. way I can explain it it's really really deep in my process and um, even if I don't keep most of the words I learn something about the character every time because I'm talking as them and it's usually when I'm dictating it's usually when I give, have them like they have these really big monologues and I have to break them <laughs> throw in and like hack away at it and break it up and make it pretty make it readable um but in general their kind of core of what they're saying and what they're trying to get across in the scene comes across better I feel like it comes across better and even just how they word things you, you catch things quicker of like oh why are they talking like that you know yeah or, or am I forcing words out of their mouth or are they just because like I like to just let them talk and it sounds like you're insane when you say that out loud but like when I'm not writing a book when I'm supposed to be writing it they're talking to me and they're like mm -hmm. you're not writing my book and <laughs> 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 um, but yeah it's a it's a weird process being a writer it's a strange one mm -hmm. um, but the characters are very real when you're in the book like when you're in the weeds of a draft a first draft I find that's when they're the most real and then when you reread them you get the print copy and you reread it like I got this print copy of the billionaire's last minute marriage a couple months back and I was reading it and I was like oh this is nice you know all <laughs> Oh, this author, this is a nice book. Well done. Yeah. You're like, oh, I wrote this. <laughs> Did you send in a proposal for for all three books? Yeah. You have to have the all three. Okay. So talk specifically Xander and Pandora. Like you already knew Priya's book was going to come first. And then did you already have Xander? Like, did you already have all of this mapped out? How did Xander and Pandora's romance specifically come to you? Um, so the inheritance storyline came first with the okay. three bastard sons of Zeus and they all have to get married. Mm -hmm. um, but then I had to choose the myths for each of them. And I always knew I wanted to write a Pandora retelling because I just love the idea of a, a main character with a terrible secret who unleashes havoc upon the other character's life. It so presents, like it's just so innately presents. But I was like, can I call an Irish heroine Pandora? <laughs> like... <laughs> 
when I was like, it's presents, of course I can. Yes. <laughs> her parents are upper class Irish diplomats and her brother is called Odin. So it fits. Yes. <laughs> it's just a little quirky. Um, so, and she told me how to make it fit. Pandora did when she was speaking to me. Um, <laughs> um, and then, of course, I already knew Xander had been left at the altar. So I knew how that, that's how this book would start. He's just watched Priya run. He runs from the press. And who does he go to first? The executive assistant. He's definitely not got a thing for, LOL. Um, but Pandora's in a compromising position and they get stuck together in a safe. And I didn't see that coming originally. Uh, the story kind of took its own. I had it plotted a different way. Um, I had it plotted because I knew basically the whole point of Pandora's, what Pandora's um, main motivation is at the start is that she has been forced to work for Zeus for the past four months because Zeus had dirt on her mother. Her mother is an Irish politician. Zeus had, Zeus had, you know, information. He had a file. And I just thought the idea of, you know, Pandora's box becoming Pandora's, you know, incriminating file. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So she's trying to find the file Um, and she's just realized, um, so she thinks that Xander's getting married, you know, and it's her her opportunity to break into the safe and get the file. (laughs) And he turns up and she's like, oh. And she's got a handful of she's got a handful of uh, very expensive jewelry, um, and it just looks so bad. And then <laughs> she runs to go get the file out of the safe, and he runs to go stop her, and then boom, locked in the safe together. And it was just perfect. <laughs> I mean, close proximity of Whoa. dreams. Talking <laughs> the Amanda Cinelli core story, it's just close proximity. It's just forced yeah. proximity. It's like put two people in a box and just force them to speak to each other. Yes. yes. <laughs> How are we going to get them on page together? Well, <laughs> she's going to be stealing. <laughs> she's after running his bride off. And he yes. needs bride. And his brother is going to take the inheritance because he knows his brother is going to marry someone real quick. So he's like, who can I trust? Who, who do I know well that I could trust to enter into a marriage agreement? Huh, who could it be? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, no, 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 no. And it's just a hilarious dynamic because she's like, oh my God, no, I've had, this ma- I've had this monster crush on this guy for months now. I can't marry him. Like, this is just awful. Yeah. And yeah. he doesn't know my secret because um, <laughs> she's been spying. Um, that's the whole thing. Zeus had her as a, a spy. That was her job. Um, so it's an impossible situation. And that's kind of what I do. I try and set up two people who really, like, you, you don't think that they're going to work it out by the end because they're just two. Like, he's grumpy. She's sunshine. You know, he just wants to focus on work forever and she wants to live a life she wants adventure you know she just broke away from very controlling parents for the first time loving but very controlling very overprotective parents um and he's a very controlling man and she doesn't want to you know why would she yeah. her? so yeah. um they have a real kind of journey while they're on their road trip <laughs> a journey upon a journey um, but it was so much fun to write because just putting them in Japan and putting them, you know, having to travel across the world on a jet together and all these situations, um, because she has so much knowledge about the business deal that he's trying to clinch and um, he doesn't, his 
big thing is that his father had an affair with an employee so he will never engage in a romance with an employee and so that's like a big thing for him as well and it's like I mean I love when even our grumpy heroes have like a hard stop like their boundaries like nope I'm not doing this (laughs) and here's why he's held off his attraction for her it's like she was his executive assistant and he he's a very good he's a very controlled man but now all of a sudden she's quit her job and then all of a sudden she's his wife yeah (laughs) so it's like no no no, but I still can't (laughs) can't you though (laughs) me just like nudging them gently from behind come on come on (laughs) I just love to torture them With writing presents, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot the past couple of days because I knew we were going to have the opportunity to chat with you. Because, I mean, we've like we said, presents modern is kind of like born out of myths and fairy tales, right? Yes. Yeah. Does, does that feel like it gives you all this like freedom and liberty and open space to yes. just like be creative? Like I, I've been toying around with like small town romance ideas and like there's some great, I love reading those. But I also feel like that feels kind of difficult to do because it's like everyday life. Whereas if you're writing in this world where you can like escape into and in a way like you make the rules, you know, does that does it does it feel that way for you? Like, does it feel different? Definitely. Like it's um, it's the kind of world where it's anything goes, you know, you're looking for the exotic kind of um aspirational retellings but we also do like it's just like you can create fictional kingdoms you can create fictional companies they can be you know royalty they can be billionaires and you can it's just you have just this like fantasy world it is just a super high fantasy and that's why what I always was drawn to because when the real world is just too much, you can just really yes. escape. Yeah. Um, and like they've done fairy tale month. Um, they've done like recently there was fairy tale month. Um, was last year I think they did it two months in a row. It was a fantastic. Pippa Roscoe did like a uh Red Riding Hood retelling, and um, oh Caitlin Cruz had this amazing book. It's a Bluebeard retelling. Um, oh, I'm just looking it up now. What was it called? Claimed in the Italian's Castle. I read that book in like two hours flat. I inhaled it. It was just the most like fever dream of a book is the only way I could describe it. And it was just this gut punch of like emotion and fantasy. And you could see just this kind of windswept Italian castle, you know, and um, yeah, I love, I love a real high fantasy book. And I think you can kind of, the, the readers would know kind of the author's, who go for that real high fantasy yeah. aspect but I think every author can kind of veer between some some authors might one book might be more realistic and more like um dramatic and then another book might be you know slightly lighter slightly more of a you know you'd have a little few little bits of comedy in it and but you always have that kind of high drama romance angst you know going through it they're always just super character driven, super focused on these two people getting their happily ever after. Yeah. Making them hit all those, <laughs> run through all these. All these <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> so the romance has two really fun tropes in it that work so well together. Uh, marriage of convenience and workplace, which we've talked about a little bit. Are these tropes you enjoy reading and what do you enjoy about writing them? 
into your own stories. I love them. I always read them and I always had. <laughs> Even though like I never had a crush on a boss myself and I have <laughs> marriage was a, a marriage of, of love. <laughs> Not convenient. <laughs> um but I don't know. I think it is that I do I just love that forced proximity aspect of both of them. Um they have to get to know one another. Like, you know, even whether it's a marriage of convenience or a workplace, they have to get to know one another. They're in that close proximity and they shouldn't fall in love. They shouldn't be attracted to one another. They shouldn't admit to it. They have to maintain this element of, you know, professional detachment or personal detachment or both, you know. And they shouldn't touch one another. They definitely shouldn't kiss. Oh, my goodness. They should not. Um, (laughs) it's the forced familiarity it's the intimacy of it um, and it's the the taste of forbidden you know it's that like it is forbidden you're not supposed to do that you know and I think if it has that in anything I'm gonna read it yeah (laughs) forbidden romance in any way like I'm going to read it (laughs) give it to me (laughs) what is that like I'm such a a rebel at heart (laughs) I think it's because I'm so straight-laced and boring in person. <laughs> it's my little bit of rebellion. <laughs> like me trying to put a gun scene into a, a present. Into a present. But it didn't suit those characters. <laughs> a forbidden scene, you know? I love it, though. So give us some recommendations. Like, what have you read with either trope or both tropes? Like, what are some of your favorites? I went through my collection. Okay. okay. <laughs> my collection. And I took notes of my collection. <laughs> oh, okay. I am taking notes now so I can put all of these in yes. the show notes. Okay. <laughs> what do you have? <laughs> and now it's down to my, my, my three that I can really, I really know they made uh, a mark on me. You know, that I remember them often. Um, and the first one is um, The Spanish Groom by Lynn Graham. And like, that's, an old, that's an older one. It's 1999 it's from. And it's Cesar, I think that's how you say his name, and Dixie. And this heroine has lived with me since I read this book, Dixie. Um, so he's like a billionaire banker and she's his employee. She's like a bank teller. But she has this terrible debt because her sister had been like using her bank account to get into debt. And he, his company policy is employees can't have debt because it's a bank. So she's getting fired like <laughs> in like chapter one. Um, but he has a godfather who is dying and he needs to, his, his godfather just wants him to get married. So he needs to like get fake engaged to someone to like, appease this godfather who he loves dearly. He basically gives her a proposition of pretend to be my fiance and um I'll clear your debts or I'll help you clear your debts and I won't fire you or something like I can't remember if he did if she already quit I'm trying to remember because that's the kind of dodgy part about a workplace romance is like if they are like you have to get the power dynamic right um but obviously this is from 1999 we're gonna read it as if it is 1999 okay okay so what I love about Dixie is like she's a she's a curvy heroine and she's very quirky and very funny and I really related to her like I I don't like I'm not saying that she's neurodivergent but as a neurodivergent person I really related to this character (laughs) and I really felt like she was like coded or maybe it was just me 
I don't know, putting my <laughs> my things onto her. Mm-hmm. But um, she's just so, like, she has all these animals and she's just pure chaos. Um, I love a chaotic heroine. <laughs> and she's so funny. She's just pointing out all of his stereotypical billionaire things. And he's just, like, baffled. Like, how dare you? You know, I'm gorgeous and I'm rich. <laughs> <laughs> some, yeah, there are some kind of, like, inappropriate, lang- like, fat phobic lang- terms that I wouldn't be happy with now as a current present day reader but as I said 1999 so she wears a lot of like dowdy clothes um, to hide her figure because she's always been I think it was her stepmother who shamed her for being a bigger woman um, and he, he's only seen this side of her in the workplace and then the first time I remember this scene the first time he sees her in like her pajama shorts and like a string top and he's like I'm burning all of your old clothes <laughs> you wow are- <laughs> and I remember just being like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> it just really hit me of him just being like and, and her being like oh my god he hate he must hate my figure you know because she's really self-conscious and he's like she's like why is he looking at me this way and he's like I'm, I'm burning all your old clothes oh my god you are perfect you are like wow um, and I just remember just reading that scene and I actually want to reread it again <laughs> um but yeah so she has a crush on him um, no, no, no. She has a crush on a guy who was using her to clean his apartment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so through the whole book, it's this guy. I think his name was Scott. And through the whole book, like the Cesar, the hero, keeps being like, oh, but you're in love with Scott, aren't you? And she's like, yes, I'm in love with Scott. And my heart is with Scott. Um, and it's this whole running thing through the whole book. It's probably the funniest presents that I've ever read. Um, <laughs> I love Lynn Graham, seriously. Um, Well, I've read one Lynn Graham, and I will say, like, she is really good at just, like, I remember there were so many scenes in the book that we read. Sarah, I can't remember the one that we read a couple of months ago, but it was, like, the hero like flies in on a helicopter unexpectedly and I'm like what's going on and yeah <laughs> he had like not been claiming the baby and then he shows up because he was hearing about I was just like this is so funny and intense all at the mm-hmm. same time <laughs> she's, really, really good at that. she's really good at that and she's really good at a hero who gets it really wrong at first yes like, asshole at first and you're literally going oh don't even date him like he's that horrible. was him yes bring him back. <laughs> and you trust her to bring him back because she does it every time she's done it like a million times at this time <laughs> she's so prolific i would trust her with my life <laughs> but she really forces her heroes to grow um and I just love this hero in particular he was jealous but he was jealous in such a low-key way like he was like oh yeah you love you love Scott don't you oh well we could never work out because you're in love with Scott aren't you and we're not getting married and then all of a sudden he was like we're getting married (laughs) 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 oh absolutely brilliant but yeah so that book is a workplace romance and it's a marriage of convenience it's a fake a fake engagement first then it's a marriage of convenience and it's just fantastic it's called the spanish groom oh okay the one that we read was her best kept royal secret and now that i think about it it turned into a marriage of convenience romance yes yes i love a marriage of convenience and then another one that i wanted to recommend was naima simone secrets of a one night stand have you read that one? Oh, we love Naima Simone. It's a Boston series. It's the three brothers. That's what we, we literally announced our trilogies around the same time. And I was like, have we got like a twin mind thing going? Like <laughs> we, we're on the same vibe. Me and her need to also be besties, I think. Um, <laughs> I, I feel everything. like we need a Naima Simone Presents. Just 
Oh, I would pay top dollar. I really would. Um, and the hero in this book is called Achilles as well. Achilles and Micah. And he's based on hero. I remember she wrote in, I don't know, I, I kind of stalk her a little bit. So <laughs> talking about the inspiration for this hero. And like my husband's a massive pro wrestling fan. And there's this um, wrestler called Roman Reigns. Do you know? Mm-hmm. Oh mm-hmm. my God. My husband's obsessed with wrestling. He's amazing. <laughs> she had a hero inspired by Roman Reigns. I was like, when, where, give it to me right now. <laughs> Need it. Um, this is him. And I can literally visualize him. He's such like a rough and ready primal kind of guy. Um, but he's the middle brother, I think. And in her series, it's the, they all have to work together for a year. And there's an inheritance. Um, but they've never met each other and they didn't know about each other. Um, I think that's what went on. I'm trying to remember it because I read it last summer, I think it was. Um, but I just remember this series starts with a one night stand. So it starts with them meeting at a bar, talking, having a one night stand. And then it jumps to like three months later and she's interviewing for a job as the VP of his company. And she's like, please don't tell anybody that we know each other don't just pretend like we don't know each other so it's a workplace romance you know they have to kind of avoid each other and avoid the attraction and it's like explosive attraction like they cannot keep their hands off each other it's delicious (laughs) (laughs) she's like the oldest daughter of this really wealthy boston family she her parents are like really toxic and controlling and she has this like she has to be perfect she can't make mistakes so like it turns into a one night consequences story because they do sleep together and she gets pregnant and then the story just unravels from there. So there's no marriage of convenience in that one, but there is a pregnancy. <laughs> That's <laughs> amazing. The whole series is amazing. And um, I think it's called Billionaires of Boston or Boston okay. Billionaires. Yeah. Well, I think the, is that what the new and the newest one that just came out by her? I feel like it's part of that series too. I, I think you're right. Cover. Keenan and someone else, but I can't remember the, the the title. I can't remember the title. Yeah, the third brother is um he's yeah Keenan. I can't remember the title, but um yeah, I really recommend that series. Like it's like it really does the whole workplace vibe well because they are working together. You know, they're in the workplace. Like that first book and and even my book, they've quit. They're not actively working with each other. So the the whole the whole like dynamic of is it okay for the boss to be coming on to his employee? Is it okay for two people? You know, the whole HR. So that book does it really well. It's really, really well. Um, and then I, I remember when I was on this podcast last, I was talking about a debut that I read from an author called Amy Carson, The Kiss Line. And I hunted it down and I found it. <laughs> and I was like, I'm this podcast again without titles and without dates and everything so <laughs> I, I nerded out not so I, I looked it up it's called secret history of a good girl and it okay. was amy carson's debut it's uh february 2012 and it was paolo and Alyssa. and i remember this book for the filthiest reason because of course <laughs> the best elevator love scene that i have ever read and that was her debut like I'm like for a debut it was just the most crazy elevator scene in this like hotel that's being reconstructed she's there as the event planner he's this Miami um hotelier and she basically muscled her way into the position of being the event planner and she has secrets she's a an ex-con she has like very secret past with you know troublesome family members and he's all about the whole his image everything has to be perfect 
and their whole dynamic was just fantastic and the way they kind of but I think she was an independent contractor so that's how she dealt with the workplace dynamic she was an independent contractor and like I just think when you're when you're doing the whole workplace thing you have to be so mindful of that of like consent and of Mm -hmm. power dynamics and you know someone's not feeling coerced into you know doing what their boss wants them to do because that's not the the kind of fantasy that we're going for we're going for you know consensual and sexy and not that but um I was looking into because I remember last time we were talking about the kiss line and all of that and I just found it fascinating to see all the dates because that book originally it wasn't a kiss book it was a what was a it presents a, extra Harlequin I'm looking Pre- at it on goodreads yeah so like yeah. and Harlequin presents extra ran for ages it ran for much longer than I thought it did it ran from April 2008 until January 2013 wow and I was like wow I did not and it was like eight books a month and it was like common themes so it was like they must have had like a real surplus of authors going on or yeah, yeah. crazy but like what I was looking for because I had the suspicion I was like okay so Reva finished up and Kiss finished up Kiss was shorter of a run and I was just like the ebook boom happened around this time and Fifty Shades of Grey happened around this time and I was like connecting <laughs> I was like I see what happened I, I cracked it <laughs> you were sleuthing we love it <laughs> I was like, why are they starting up these? I'm just going to start a campaign. I'd be like, bring back Kiss, bring back Kiss now. Well, yep. if you can ask him to bring back Kiss, can you also maybe ask him to like, can we get a short run of Blaze or Dare or something in oh, the middle? I know Blaze. Every single one of them. Just Readers. around the holiday time, I'll take it. I won't be stingy. Like no. just something. Yeah, they will. I, I just have this optimistic outlook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Can I just say, like, Secret History of a Good Girl, I'm looking at it on Goodreads. I love the titles. Like, I know. The, first, like, the title of the book is fantastic, but it's part of the Unbuttoned by a Rebel series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on, it's so classic. Presents. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, he, like, he drives a motorcycle, and he has a leather jacket, and he's real suave, and she's she's a real button down blouse you know she acts like she's you know got the whole perfect thing going on so he acts like the bad boy but he's all about his perfect reputation and then she acts like the good girl but she has this secret torrid past and it's just it's so delicious like first, first book out the gate like it is absolutely where are you amy carson where are you i know <laughs> for anyone listening if amy carson's in your knitting circle <laughs> i met her oh. <laughs> I met her at um, uh, RWA in 2015 when I went. That's the only time I went. And I, I remember I was at like a dinner for Kiss authors. And I remember she was there among other authors that I attacked and was like, I love your books. <laughs> I'm so inappropriate and intense. <laughs> but I remember I, I spoke to her briefly um, and she was saying thank you. And um, she wasn't planning on writing for the, for the lines anymore. She was moving towards different things at the time. Mm. I hope she's doing well. I haven't kept up, but she's a fantastic author. Like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Did you read a ton of the Kiss books like when they were coming out or did you yeah. kind of come to it after? It when, like, so I started working as a nanny in 2012 and then I got married in 2013 and I had my first daughter in 2014. So like all these books were out at just the right time for me when I needed them. I was very stressed. <laughs> I was a very stressed person. Um, and I was like, I was also reading because I knew I wanted to write 
for Mills and Boone, um, Harlequin. And I knew I needed to read as much as I could. And I originally thought I might want to go for the kiss line. I thought maybe my voice was more rom-com. Um, and I feel like I can go both ways. Um, rom-com and kind of more angsty and dramatic. I feel like I'm kind of a mix and um, I think that's why I love Lynn Graham's book so much because she's kind of she always has that little little threads of comedy and little threads of angst and it's a real and there's loads of authors in the line who are like that as well not just one or two um but that's what I like I like a little bit of I like a book that can make you laugh and then like yes punch you in the throat and then, yes. like, <laughs> yep. and then make yep. you cry <laughs> yes torture. emotional torture <laughs> bit sadistic really isn't it like <laughs> so let's get into some round out questions besides reading what was one of your teen girl obsessions um the sims have you ever heard of the sims oh yes. my gosh i have not heard that in a sims long time <laughs> all the time i'm talking like the sims og the very first thing yep. you know yeah sims 2 sims 3 sims 17 whatever these gen z are on i was like the original sims it was like basically 2d and there was no cheat codes and the internet wasn't a thing and <laughs> it was so hard I was so like when we're talking obsessions like obviously I as an autistic person I can get very intense about things and that was a real problem with The Sims because it became like a virtual world that I would just go into and I wouldn't sleep I wouldn't eat Mm. I would just stay awake (laughs) I wouldn't go to school the next day my parents would be like get off your computer and then (laughs) you came out and all the expansion packs oh my god oh yeah I was obsessed and my cousin and my sister loved it as well um and it was a real it was just great I used to make but that's how like when I look back I was always telling stories because I used to have I I used to create like a blank neighborhood and I remember one of them was called like um Isola di Amore and it had like the bad family like the bad rich family and the really good um polite rich family and there was a river down the middle and it was so (laughs) and created like side characters and grandparents and cousins and it was like they were all Italian, more American. Oh my god! If I could get back, that's what Absolutely brilliant. I was like fourteen, and that's now hilarious. you have Pinterest to make vision boards. It's so right? So it's all the threads are all coming together. Did you imagine if you had Pinterest when you were playing Sims? Oh my god! It would have been just. I would have never left my room, and I rarely left my room at the time as it was. That's hilarious. <laughs> I feel like that's like kids these days, right? Like you could just like get the cheat codes, you can buy them or whatever. And I'm like, doesn't that kind of take the fun out of it? Like Mm -hmm. back in the day, you couldn't do, you just had to play the game until you figured it out. That's right. That's right. I worked so hard on Sims. You know, I went to college on Sims. I got promoted in my job, you know, like I was a hard worker. (laughs) (laughs) Virtually. So again, besides reading, what is one of your current obsessions? Um, well, I'm just waiting for the growing season to start again because last year, uh, no, 2020 was the first year I grew my own vegetables out in my back garden, and then last year I 
fine-tuned my process even more like I was saying I have my data you know in my bullet journal I have my little spreadsheet <laughs> keeping <laughs> so last year I grew mainly tomatoes like gigantic tomato vines I had like 12 of them in a row I had all the stuff on. I was looking up YouTube videos at 2am of like what's the best variety what what to water them with you know seaweed water and all this stuff so yeah again very intense when I like something and <laughs> but yeah so growing growing my own veg is a real nerdy kind of it's a real mm-hmm. one thing though like <laughs> yeah that's something I really want to get into but I, I don't think I would do it in the house that we live in now I don't know like we live we live in one of those like American subdivisions where all the houses are like right on top of each other like very 1950s suburbia suburbia like let's encourage you to get to know your neighbors and it's like no dude I don't I don't really want to live that close to people so (laughs) I mean but I I want to be able to grow the things that I go to the store and get all the time like bell peppers and onions and like just I don't know I just think that that's so much more satisfying like saying you did it yourself you don't even have to buy the seeds because like there's so many ways you can just like take the you can take like half a tomato and put it into really good soil and a tomato plant will grow like Mm -hmm. it's amazing I'm such a nerd about it all I'm like oh my god (laughs) we love it yep (laughs) plant children (laughs) name one author dead or alive who you would love to sit and chat with about chat with about their books um I would have I would I was gonna say other people, but if I'm being really honest and I'm being really kind of nerdy, I'm gonna say Lynn Graham <laughs> because she's Irish. She lives in Northern Ireland. She lives nearby. And I'm like, I'm waiting for an invite from Lynn for a cup of tea. I feel like we're <laughs> friends. I'm putting myself out there. Lynn, if you're listening, I feel like we would be besties. Um <laughs> I'm waiting. I've I've got the car, you know, just drive straight up the motorway. We can (laughs) chat for hours. Um, Yeah, so I definitely would love to meet her one day. Um, That would be awesome. I've met other really amazing presents authors who I've read for years, and she's one of the ones who I haven't met. And I'm like, where are you? She's very elusive. Social media, right? right? She's like living in her like Irish castle and she like doesn't do social media in it, but we get books from her and it's like, where is Lynn Graham? Like we need a documentary yeah. <laughs> on Netflix at this point. Like where's Lynn Graham? <laughs> As a reader, I love to stalk my favorite authors and it's really hard when I have nothing to stalk, Lynn. So <laughs> Help me out. <laughs> so if you all ever hang out, you have to take a picture and tag us yes. because we yes. want to live vicariously through you meeting Lynn Graham. <laughs> Just say absolutely. I'm shooting my shot. I'm shooting my shot. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell us about one of the last books you one clicked. Uh, probably the first book that I read this year, which was Boyfriend Material by Alexis Hall. You read that? Okay. It's like a fake dating um, male male romance set in London. And it's this son of a, I'm laughing even thinking about it, this book. I had to, I literally had to buy the audiobook because I had to go collect my groceries and I wanted to finish reading it. So I paid three pound extra to get the audiobook so I could read it to drive a half an hour to the grocery store, collect my shopping and drive back home. <laughs> and the audiobook is even better than the print book because it's narrated so well. But he's basically like the son. It's like if, if it's like if Mick Jagger had a son and then abandoned him. It's like if Mick Jagger had a son with a pop star and abandoned him. And this is the grown-up son. And the dad is like having a trying to resurge his his career. Um, but this son keeps getting labeled as like, you know, the 
kind of bad boy rock star son you know problematic person but like it's affecting his job so he needs or he needs to kind of fix his reputation so he decides to date this really straight-laced barrister called oliver and oliver is very oliver is my favorite kind of type of character it's quite like um like xander's character in the in the billionaire's last minute marriage very stoic very you know absolute you don't know what they're thinking, you know, very controlled. And their whole, it's a real slow burn. And it's hilarious because Luke's character is just so inappropriate and jokey. And it's almost Bridget Jones-like, the way he carries okay. on. He's such a character. Um, and Oliver is just like, calm down, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> and their whole, and his relationship with his mother, his mother's French and oh, they're just, it's just so funny. The book just made me laugh from start to finish and I would honestly reread it again. Um, and I have it on my TBR, but I did see the sequels coming out this August. I know. And I'm afraid it's going to be ruined. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true romance reader when you love right? the first yeah. book so much and you're like, please don't screw this up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might not read it straight away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> smart, smart. <laughs> I mean, that's got to be tough. Like, that was a huge. Was that the debut? I think so. I think so. I think like when was... you have a huge debut like that, that's got to be nerve wracking. Like, how do I follow this up? But we're rooting for it. <laughs> yep, yeah, yep. But please don't screw it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> please, please. I want to see it as a movie. It would make a fantastic rom com. Yeah. Oh yeah. gosh, yeah. Because like it's like a, a fictional show, like The Voice on it and everything. Like the guy, the oh, dad is awesome. like a judge on like The Voice, basically, but it's called something else. <laughs> It's well, hopefully the Netflix gods, you know, oh, maybe please. listen to this episode one day because, please. you know, Netflix is really, ca- all of TV really, I feel like is cashing in on yeah. rom-coms and just romance genre in general, where we're sitting here like, hello, you know, we have tons yeah. of books you can pick from just look, you know, so hopefully that would be fun. I think that would be great. Yeah, definitely. We are getting The Billionaire's Last Minute Marriage and you've talked a little bit about the third book is there anything that you can share you know about that book I know it may be early still and anything you have coming up next (laughs) um it's finished it's it's just about ready to go but there's no title yet um so it's Nisio and Aria and Nisio is the hold on is he the middle brother or the young no he's the middle brother (laughs) I'm trying to remember (laughs) yeah he's the middle brother um and he's the secret son of Zeus because oh. he's from a powerful Italian dynasty. He's Nisio Bacchetti of the Bacchetti dynasty. And his father basically took, married his mother knowing that she was pregnant. Um, and it was kept secret because his father couldn't have children of his own. And it was an easy fix for his problem. You know, that kind of, that old chestnut. Um, and, but his father was a very kind of, um, into a very kind of corrupt business practices and a very dangerous world of business exchanges and powerful people trying to one up each other and a lot of enmity. And there was, um, so yeah, Nisio basically in this book, he has been a recluse for the past decade. He's barely okay. left his Tuscan compound, his massive palazzo in the in the hills of Italy, <laughs> um, uh, where he's been kind of managing and growing this empire in the aftermath of his own father's death, his Bacchetti father's death, shall we say. 
um, murder. His father was murdered. <laughs> I should mention that. Um, <laughs> the first time when, when, when Zeus dies and he names him, he sends a, a will, the, the legal team sends a will to Nisio. Um, and there's been an agreement for uh, two decades that nobody, or for his entire life, there's been an agreement that nobody names Zeus as his father. Nobody connects them. Nobody alludes to the fact that he is not the blood descendant of this ancient Italian dynasty. So when there's even a thread of possibly it being unveiled, he loses it and he leaves and he gets on a plane and he goes to New York and he sees his brother be jilted at the altar. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Well, then I don't have to sort that out. You know, that's grand. They can I'll, I'll just leave. But what happens is his appearance in New York um, makes his father's old enemies think that he is possibly up to something. So he has to appease them by going to this very polite garden party at a big manor house in Long Island. Um, but what's also happening behind the scenes is that the bride who ran off, she had a bridesmaid there. It was her best friend, um, Aria. And um, Arya is a plus-sized ball of chaos. <laughs> she's just, she's this, um, she's the, the she's the chaos and the bubbly kind of happy, um, sociable party girl to this quiet, shy, reclusive billionaire. Um, and the first time he sees her, so she's trying to find her her best friend. She thinks that maybe he's had something to do with it. She gate crashes this party. Um, and then she realizes, oh, I'm after making a mistake. I need to leave. But very dangerous, private, powerful people at this party. So Nisio has to step in and kind of say, she's with me, you know, take her under his protection. And they have this kind of very intense attraction from the moment their eyes meet. Um, and he he doesn't really have that. He doesn't do that with people. Um, and she misses her flight. They They get so into it. They get so kind of into the flirting and the talking and the dancing around one another um, as they're trying to leave this party um, that she misses her flight home to London. So he's a gentleman and he offers her a ride on his private jet. <laughs> because of course he does. <laughs> and history, um, you know, it's a, it's a one night with consequences story. It's a one night stand that leads to a nine month consequence. <laughs> Um, but it's also a forced proximity, surprise, surprise, mm-hmm. because um, he finds out that she knows his secret. So he needs to kind of keep her close while he tries to figure out how he's going to keep his life together. And okay. he trusts her to keep his secret. And then there's also the problem that his enemy, his father's old enemies, have seen him with a woman for the first time in a decade. And they're known for using people's weaknesses against them and he has something that they want um so there's kind of a worry there that he thinks he's after possibly putting her in danger so he basically says to her you have to stay in my palace for x amount of weeks and she's like what (laughs) i feel like this is like all the dark romance that you've been reading presents and i love it absolutely happy writing this book it's so dramatic it's such a real old school vibe to it yes yes Mm -hmm. i really really wanted because nisio is such an old school hero um but aria's not so i feel like she's very self-aware like she's um aria's adhd she's dyslexic and she's had a hard life and she's had lots of everything going against her and she's just refusing to step into this world that he lives in 
And that's the whole conflict for their entire book is her going, no, I'm not happy in this. And he's like, yeah, well, it's fine. You know, we're going to have a baby and it's fine. And she's like, no, no. Like <laughs> nothing about that life sounds appealing at all. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fire, you know, she's the fire to his eyes. She wants to travel. She wants to live. And he's like, no, no, no. We have to stay safe in the palace and we're never allowed to leave. And our children will live here and it'll be fine. And she's like, oh no, oh honey, you're going to grow or you're going to lose me. So it's just brilliant. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it sounds so good. Yeah. So uh, where can everyone find you online? Um, My website is www.amanda-chinelli.com. And Chinelli is Italian and it's C-I-N-E-L-L-I. And then it's, I'm mostly on Instagram and it's Amanda Chinelli author on instagram but all my links are on my website for all my socials as well but if you want to actually get through to me it's instagram (laughs) okay (laughs) well we will have all of that linked as well as your pinterest so people can go check out the pinterest because it's gorgeous and i just love seeing those visuals that you've created um thank you so much for hanging out with us again today please come back i mean you have a is a new book coming out this year too or is it like yeah, a next year yeah, it'll be out this year probably the end of the summer i would say Ooh. Hopefully. well Yay. we have a podcast if you want to come back and talk about it <laughs> pretty much yeah <laughs> i can like make some other authors try and have tea with me as well you know I'll yes please yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're just saying if anyone in your knitting circle wants a tea date and you're over in ireland Yes. Just saying, our friend Amanda would love to sit down and chat romance and That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, listeners, make sure you check the show notes. We'll have the links to all the places where you can keep up with the Amanda Chinelli. And she will obviously be back. We're going to persuade her to return <laughs> again. So keep your eyes out. The Billionaire's Last Minute Marriage, guys. Keep your eyes out for it. Go read the first book if you have not read it already. It's yes. fantastic. And yep. Sarah and I will chat with you in our next episode. Everybody, have a lovely day.